was filled with his praises One day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin He dwelt among men, my example is he Word became flesh and the light shined among us His glory revealed Living He loved me Dying He saved me Buried He carried My sins far away Rising He justified Freely forever One day He's coming Oh glorious day Oh glorious day One day they nailed him to die on a tree Suffering anguish, despised and rejected Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he Hands that healed nations stretched out on a tree And took the nails from me Living he loved me Save me, where he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified, free me forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. Since far away, rising 
all nations, God, that right now, God, you have a plan, God, that you're coming through on that plan, God. So, God, I thank you right now for what you're doing in the midst of the chaos, God, that right now that we are the light in the darkness, God, that our world needs us more, God, now than ever, God, to see you through us, God. So right now, God, I pray for our city, God. I pray for our county. I pray for our state. God, I pray for our nation. I pray for our world. That people start coming to you. Start encountering you on a new level, God. So right now, God, I thank you for what you're doing in this world, God. And right now, I just pray for salvations. Pray for marriages that foundational curses are broken, God. That marriages start coming back to you, God. I pray for our friends and our family, God. And I pray for healing in the house today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 How's everyone doing? Yeah? It is a Sunday morning. No, I want to hear everyone give a shout. For Jesus, it's a Sunday morning. We are in the house. We got to be excited, excited. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find three people, three new faces. Say hello. Tell them your name and your favorite ice cream. All right? We are, everyone's going to know everyone's favorite ice cream by the end of today. Now that you know everyone's flavor of ice cream, real quick, I got some announcements for everyone. Amen. 
just saying, if your favorite flavor of ice cream is vanilla, we have something in common. I thought I was going to... <laughs> amen, amen. Guys, so real quick, we have some upcoming stuff. We have on the first Sunday of next month, which is next Sunday, we will have prayer here at 6 30. You don't want to miss out. It's going to be an awesome time. And then also, we have a midweek prayer, if you did not know about that. It is on Wednesdays from 10 to 11 here. All right? So if you can get in, come pray with us. Um, and then I need every, I need a drum. I'm just counting. I need a drum roll. But this is the most exciting one. July 12th, our children's church will be opening back up. So we will be rocking and rolling. It's an awesome time, awesome time. Exciting, fun things going on here. So real quick, I just wanted to do a um, space is completely different, but, um, so the tithes, tithes and offerings. So we're no longer around passing around a bucket. There are three places, one over here by that back wall, that back wall and this back wall. If you would like to fill it out, you can put it in there. Oh, and in the hallway, if you fill them out, you can dump them in there. Awesome. Awesome. But real quick, I just wanted to do a, just want to share this verse real quick. It's Proverbs 11. And uh, verse 24 says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. See, I read this verse, and it is so countercultural of today. Today, it's, I need to hold on to this. I need to save this. I need to do this. You see, that's not the way that God works. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been like, I don't know how I'm going to make it if I give, and I give, and I made it. <laughs> right? And I actually came out on top. God doesn't, mm, <laughs> God doesn't need us to save. Right? He needs us to give. And when he starts doing that, he starts promoting us. He starts blessing us. He starts coming through for us in ways that are just crazy, right? So in this world, be countercultural. Be countercultural. Yeah, that's the word. Be counter. Be counterculture, right? Show people a new way of. You know what? I'm gonna give. I'm going to watch God bless me and everyone around me. Watch you bless me, my household, and the people around me, and I get to show other people what God's doing in my life. Amen? Real quick, I'll have everyone close their eyes, bow their head. God, I just thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in the house today, God. I thank you what you're doing in people's lives today, God. God, and I thank you that today, God, as we worship during this song, as Pastor Tim teaches, God, that lives will be changed. That something new is sparked up in the people's hearts, God. I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We got one more song, guys, for you. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I love you, Jesus. There is none like you, Lord. You are the one who knows 
like you And I'm like you The faithful one Jesus There is none like you None like you The faithful one Jesus One more time There is none like you None like you The faithful one Jesus Love you Jesus, Jesus Oh, I love you Jesus, Jesus mm -hmm. Everlasting God Everlasting Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You ready to answer that call today? It's been a challenge that's put, be put before us to each one of us, and that's to answer the call of a covenant God who keeps his promises. Man, how can you go wrong with that? Father, we just thank you. We serve a faithful God. There is none like you. You're the everlasting God. And we choose to answer your call to be faithful, to be serving you as a covenant-keeping God and to realize that, Lord, we are part of that process of making peace, of being agents, ambassadors of reconciliation in a broken, hurting world today. We're here to be peacemakers. We're here to take up that ministry of reconciliation. So we love you today. We choose to answer your call and say yes to you. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. You may have a seat. And um, we have something we want to do today to just honor a couple of people in our body. Um, that have really put forth a lot of effort um, these past months to complete a uh, course on, um, it's called Perspectives, and, and if you've been part of the, you know, our, our journey here, you've heard about Perspectives and the course 
uh, it's a course on global um, Christianity, the missions movement. It's, it's a course all about missions. And I'm going to bring someone up uh, right now. Mark and Becky Layton are here to join us. Uh, come on up, Mark. And uh, Becky, wave to the people. Yeah, we're glad to have you guys today. Um, to join us, and um, it's been a it's been a just a real pleasure getting to know you guys. Uh, Mark and Becky have served uh, twenty plus how many years in Th Thailand? Thirty one. Wow, they beat us. So 30, 31 years. Yeah, as missionaries in Thailand, they are um, based at Green Valley, and have that's been their place of uh, their base as they've ministered and as as they facilitated this course. And it's not just a course for one or two churches; it's a course for churches in our community. So I want you just to, before we bring the, uh, these uh, ladies up, we want to honor today. Just tell us a bit about uh, perspectives and uh, what's next. Thank, thank you very much. Good to be here. Uh, as, as Tim said, Perspectives is not a course just for Green Valley. It's a course for all the churches in the kind of western slope of El Dorado County and beyond. And it's not a course just simply for people that are going to go as full-time missionaries. It's a course for every single Christian. Uh, because it, in, it covers God's global purposes. Fifteen weeks of... Uh, Two hours or uh, almost three hours on uh, Tuesday nights uh, with guest lectures, 15 different guest uh, speakers speaking on different aspects of God's global purpose. So it covers the biblical basis for God's global purpose. It then covers the historical movement of God's purpose and how the God's purpose has been advancing in this world. And then it covers <coughs> where are we at? What are the obstacles? What do we still have to do to finish the, the task and see Jesus return? So uh, it's a robust class for the people that have uh, took it and uh, attended some of the class meetings. Uh, it's not for the faint-hearted. Uh, there's reading uh, that is required, and then there's uh, more reading if you take it at a certificate level. And you can even take it as a, as a university-level class where there's even more reading. Um, so it's a, it's a good time investment that you have to make, but the rewards are you will understand more of what our God wants to do in this world, how you can be a part of it, and what he is doing because it's absolutely phenomenal what God is doing in the world today. And, uh, you know, we're not alone. Uh, there are Christians all over the world that are vibrantly sharing their faith and seeing others come to faith in Christ. So we will have another class starting in January of this next year. And hopefully some of, those, some of you that, I mean, it was kind of disrupted by COVID and we had to go from uh, a face-to-face -face format and you all know what that's like to then go into Zoom kind of classes, uh, quite, quite different. Uh, so those of you that, that kind of enjoyed the class and then uh, couldn't cope with the Zoom, you can re-enroll. Uh, if you've already paid, you've already paid, so it's free. And hopefully some of you, the rest of you can, can join them. And if you have friends in other churches in this area, tell them about perspectives and encourage them to attend and bring people along because we want to not just affect a few churches but to affect all the churches 
so that they're more excited about what God is doing in this world and more on board in their part, doing their share to advance God's kingdom and this world. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Stay, stay up here for a minute. Yeah, what if, uh, what if we had, Mark, can you stay up here with me just a moment? But what if we had uh, just, just a movement of givers and senders and goers and this is what perspective is all about it's that spark that it can that can ignite that and so we're excited we're excited to keep promoting it and um so um, we're gonna have you we're gonna hand out some certificates to uh, kathy ryan and joan thornton can you guys come up yeah all right all right let me go let you do that and uh so so this is just a um, an acknowledgement of all your hard work and uh, and stick to it stick to itiveness in this in all of this and so great job ladies and um, we hope that you will be sp spokespeople recruiters for perspectives as you know the impact it can have um, on on our lives yes amen amen Mark I'm going to ask you to pray over these uh, ladies and. Lord God, thank you for Catherine and Joan. Thank you for their diligence in this study. And thank you that they love you. We pray that you would bless them and through them bless many, many other people. We pray for your blessing upon their family, their children, their great-grandchildren. And we pray, Father, that they'd be a great blessing in this church as they encourage and use their gifts uh, to build other people up. And we do pray, Lord, that you'd also use them in the wider area of Placerville and Diamond Springs and Cameron Park and Camino and Pollock Pines and all these communities. We pray, Lord, that they would be a part of a movement here within Placerville for toward accomplishing the mandate that you've given us in the Great Commission. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for them and commend them into your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, pull out your Bibles, please, and your outline. Anybody still need an outline? You can wave your hand, and one of our beautiful or handsome ushers will bring that to you. Okay, we need one outline over here. Rudy's coming around. Good, good work. Okay, so got your Bible in hand, and as Rudy finishes up, I'm going to... Just commit this time to the Lord again. Lord, thanks so much for being with us here today. Thanks for your Holy Spirit that would meet us during this time of worship. And uh, we, wanna, we want to continue to receive from you, God. We say our hearts are open, and we want to learn from your word and hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, a couple weeks ago, Tim shared a message on peacemaking, and then we got to talking about it um, with mom and dad and Emma after uh, lunchtime, maybe after church or that evening or something, and saying, oh, there's so much more there. Can we, can we keep going with that? And we were just kind of talking about that. 
And then uh, this opportunity came up because pastor's still out of town. And so we get to dig deeper into peacemaking together this morning. And um, Tim, Tim will come in a few minutes, so don't, don't be afraid. Um, oh no, Pastor Tim's not going to preach. Um, huh? Okay, he said I can have it all. Um, so just a, a quick little story out of um, this book, and I won't talk too much about the book, but I, I would recommend it if you haven't read The Bait of Satan. John Bevere is the author, and um, I, it's talking about the, the spirit of offense, and, and the subtitle is Your Response Determines Your Future. So I thought, ooh, okay. Anyway, it's a good one. Um, but bait, when I think of bait, I think of fishing. So I'm going to tell the fishing story this morning. So get it out of the way, and then Tim can't tell one because it'll already be done. Um, but I, I was raised by a world-class angler named Wayne. Um, and then I married another world-class angler named Tim. So lots of fishing stories my whole life. Um, the biggest and best fish I've ever caught myself was a barracuda. How did I do that? I know, ooh, ah. Now everyone thinks Eve's cool because she caught a barracuda. But it was an accident. Um, we were in the Bahamas on our honeymoon in the bone fishing capital of the world. And I had a bonefish on the line. And that, that should impress you right there because I was reeling in this nice bonefish. And all of a sudden, it got a little bit more strenuous. And there was a lot more weight on the line. And so I reeled harder, as you do. And um, what happened was the barracuda ate the bonefish while I had the bonefish on the line. And so I actually reeled in the barracuda with the bonefish in its stomach. So thank you. <laughs> and the, that place actually where we went for our honeymoon was so cool because whatever you caught, you could take to the chef and he would cook it up for you for dinner that night. So it was pretty amazing. Say again? Yeah. Did we eat the barracuda? Yeah. Okay. So here's the, here's the story from Made of Satan. Because you want to you want to be picturing right that what what kind of bait went okay you got to have the right bait to catch the kind of fish you want or the kind the right fly to catch the kind of fish you want and in the fly fisherman's case like Mike but um, you also have to what if it's got if it's a hook that's got the barb you've got to set the hook and that's just one big tug right and then you reel it in you don't set the hook sixty times it just takes once. That fish has it stuck inside then, and then you reel it in. So it just, yeah, anyway, you'll get it. Okay. Um, so here's a testimony um, that somebody gave to John Bevere, because he's, that 1994 is when he originally published this book, so he's been doing this for a while. He said, just before I spoke, a burly middle-aged man stood up before the congregation and wept as he relayed his tragic story. All my life, I have felt like there was a wall between me and God. I would attend meetings where others sensed God's presence while I watched detached and numb. Even when I prayed, there was no release or presence. Several weeks ago, I was handed the book, The Bait of Satan. I read it in its entirety. I realized I had taken Satan's bait years ago. Okay, so once the hook was set, right? I hated my mother for abandoning me when I was six months old. 
I realized I had to go to her and forgive. I called and spoke with her for only the second time in 36 years. I cried, Mom, I have held unforgiveness toward you all my life for giving me away. She began to weep and said, Son, I have hated myself for the last 36 years for leaving you. So the son had taken the bait by hating his mom. The mom had taken the bait by hating herself. And so all of these 36 years now, it's basically the enemy just reeling, reeling them in because they're caught in that offense, right? Okay, so this is a very extreme example, and I know some of you have a story like this or a story that would equal that kind of intensity, but we just want to think about the whole range this morning of the ways that we have been baited and the ways that right now at this moment there, that barb might still be caught and this morning how that can be removed so we can be free and, and step into and walk in peace. So I'd like you to look at Matthew 5, 9. This is the also known as the Beatitudes. And there's a whole list of them. It's, this sermon's not about the Beatitudes, so we're just going to look at one today. And the, the cool thing about the Beatitudes, actually, is, well, not, not super cool. This is the hard thing about the Beatitudes, I'd say. If you look at the front end of that list, every, every part where it says blessed, okay, listen to the list. Poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. There's, it actually doesn't feel that blessed right? It's a really hard list. It's really hard to be poor in spirit. It's hard to mourn or when you're mourning. It's hard to be meek. It's hard to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's hard to be merciful, hard to be pure in heart, hard to be a peacemaker, and hard to be persecuted for righteousness. So the blessing is actually, that's why you keep reading, right? You don't stop reading. You read the line straight through and you see you know, what is the blessing? It's in the, the other part. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. This is the good stuff, right? They shall be filled. They shall obtain mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called sons of God or children of God. And for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there's the blessing, but it's a package deal, right? You got the hard stuff, and then you got the good stuff that follows when, when you push through and kind of stick with it in those hard moments and hard seasons. So what we want to look at is verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And the, uh, you know, this could be actually seen as one proof of or kind of a benchmark of being children of God. People seeing us and seeing that we're peacemakers and if they connect the dots, they might not at the front end, but if they connect the dots, they'd be, now that's a children of God. That's a follower of God. I can tell because I see them being a peacemaker. So if we kind of turn it around that way, we can see how it can be used to actually show Christ, you know, be Christ with skin on, be showing his principles and 
his peace in the world, which actually in this day and age, being a peacemaker, being a person of peace really, really stands out. It's really this glaring, amazing blessing and gift to people who receive that. So um, in the Amplified Bible, I just read out of NIV, but in Amplified, it's um, blessed is enjoying enviable happiness, spiritually prosperous, with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. Okay, so it's not dependent on this crazy, it's dependent on this crazy and this crazy, <laughs> which actually can be crazy or can be calm, right? Um, and we'll look at how that works. So we often look for tangible evidence of God's blessing, you know, is, does it show up in finances or does it show up in some other way, the tangible ways, but actually, Jesus puts more emphasis on the intangible favor and blessing of God upon our lives. Things that aren't so measurable, they don't go in the bank. It's not a property line you can measure, those kinds of things, because joy, peace, comfort, those are immeasurable, intangible things. And yet he's saying, I will bless you. These are the things I will pour into your life, and you will know it. You will feel it. You'll be able to measure it. And that's the point. <laughs> it's not what, what can be measured from the outside looking in. So does God bless his children? Anyone? Okay. We know he does. So now we just want to take a look at what that looks like. Let's turn to James 3, 17 and 18. And it's also there in your outline if you need it. Okay. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. And I love, um, you know, the, the last part there is kind of redundant, peacemakers who sow in peace. I, you know, there's a reason when things get repeated, peacemakers who sow in peace, it kind of seems like, you know, why did we have to say that twice? But it's because, we, yeah, James didn't want us to miss it, right? Okay, so what, what else in this verse, you know, the wisdom that comes from heaven, and there's actually eight things here too. So there's, there's three different eights today that you can um, unpack in your study this week if you want to, your personal study time. But I love that there's this um, measurement, really, or kind of a, <clears throat> a plumb line that we can use because a lot of times you, or I, I hear people, Tim and I do, uh, as a pastor and life coach and me as a counselor, like, you know, how, how do I know what's the right choice? How can I, you know, yeah, there's just like a lot of searching for, what is the, a good choice or a right choice or what direction to take? And so wisdom that comes from heaven, we have these eight things. If, if it lines up with these, then we know we're headed the right direction, right? Is it pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial, and sincere? Well, that, that is actually a very, it's very clear that it, those things line up with wisdom that comes from heaven, and yet we step into so many choices that don't line up with even like one of those. 
And then we're like, what? That wasn't God's will? Or I can't believe that didn't work out. And it's like, well, you missed the list, you know? Um, and then you see, you know, what people share on social media that is their wisdom, you know? And it's just like, no, if we, if we tried to match that up with these eight things, I mean, social media would end. That would be the end of social media because, like, most of it is just like, yeah, just people sharing wisdom that is not from heaven. Um, if you want to be wise, you'll strive to be a person of peace. So wisdom and peace go together. Why stepping into wise decisions and using wisdom as we make choices, the result is peace because our list, those eight things, now line up with what we're stepping into. So it's, if it's God's will, his peace follows. His peace is part of that package. Okay. So we've got the, the eight things there in James 3. We already had the eight things in the Beatitudes. And what we want to do is take a minute to look now at Colossians 3, 12 to 15. It's right at the top there on the top of the page. And guess what? There's eight things in here too. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then number eight, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Okay, let's look at the eight again. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another, and put on love. So again, if we could kind of use those eight as a benchmark and say in, in this situation or in this relationship or kind of fill in the blank, do these things line up? Are they showing up? Do I see them? I don't see them. Okay, that, that explains why there's no peace. <laughs> there's a lot of things missing, right? Okay, so how can I step into this relationship, for instance, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and that list there? Um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since, and, and I just wanted to look at that for a minute. Do you feel, if you're in this room, in the house today, and you feel like there's some time in the last week that the peace of Christ did not rule in your heart for a minute or an hour or a day. It doesn't matter. But is anybody here that would say, that's the truth for me? At least sometime this week, the peace of Christ was not ruling in my heart. Okay. So a lot of us and then the rest of everybody else lied because, no. <laughs> Just joking. Just, totally joking. Um, but I didn't give you very much time to think. But if I had given you more time to think, you would reflect on the week and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember getting that text or I remember getting that call or I remember trying to doze off to sleep and, and those thoughts kept coming and, you know, that took me a while to kind of, you know, get past. Because it's just things are popping up all around and we're just constantly really having to again step into peace or choose peace um, 
Okay, so really in Colossians, we can see that peace is a calling. That's right at the end of that verse. We are called to peace, okay? And we see that, you know, a calling really is God's plan and God's purpose. This is a whole nother message, but it's, it's, there's so much to it, and it's, there's so, such a depth to it that we don't want to miss it. Something that in the Word says it, we're called to it, it's like, wow, there's so much there. There's so much purpose and meaning in walking in that calling. So that, I think, is super key. Um, what is it? It's a life skill. So life skills is something that I think of as like, um, I don't know, good communication skills are helpful. Um, some kind of job skill is helpful, so you can get a job. Um, being able to cook is really helpful. Being able to clean well. So thank you, Wayne and Sally, for all of my life skills. Um, but honestly, like, kids are getting up and out of the house today without a lot of those skills. So um, the snows, the snow girls did not get out of the house with those because, yeah, it's like you learn it at home. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? I think. But um, to think of peace as a life skill, you know, I'm, li I'm joking and listening it in there with that, but I just really feel like um, maybe teaching it at home along with how to, how to clean and cook and, you know, get along with people and communicate would be a really awesome thing. And then um, a learned skill. So I think this speaks to the idea that it's something that if we didn't learn it growing up or if we haven't learned it in our life to this point, we can definitely learn it now and we can cultivate it. We can grow it. So just like Viviana's garden, um, yeah, how do you get things to grow in the garden? Nurture it? Feed it, water it, weed it, yeah. Takes a lot of time and effort, right? But then tasty things grow, amazing things grow. So, and peace is like that. It's something that can grow. So, before Tim comes, let's look for a minute at what peacemaking is not. You'll see that little list there because sometimes it gets confusing and it's easy to think that... Um, there, there's things I'm doing that are peaceful. I am being a peacemaker. But avoidance is not that. So like Viviana was just talking about the weeds, uh, if you leave weeds growing, Viviana, for three months in your garden, what happens? Uh-huh, strangle, strangle the good stuff. And then when you do go out after three months to pull weeds, how long is that going to take? <laughs> until next spring, until next planting, right? Yeah, yeah, forever. So what's really the, what's your recommendation on weeds? Pull weeds every day. Wow. You're, you're amazing, actually. <laughs> that, okay, but that actually is, I'm going to just take that from the Lord right there. Pull weeds every day. Thank you, Lord. I receive that. Okay? The tiniest little something, eh, don't, I don't want that there. And I don't want it growing bigger, and I don't want it choking out anything good. I want the little weed gone, and I want the good stuff to grow. So pull weeds every day. Good word. Um, 
it's not, peacemaking is not denial. Denial, my, my best word picture for this, or best metaphor for this, is if you remember, if you had kids and they were little and they want to play hide and seek, and what you'd say, okay, I'll count to 10, and you finish counting, and all they've done is run across the room and turn towards the wall, and their, their face is up against the wall, and so they're hiding. They can't see you, so they're hiding, right? But you, I mean, they're in plain sight, so of course you have to walk around going, where are you? I can't find you. And then, you know, for a few minutes and then you go, there you are, boo, you know. Okay, so that, that is denial. Just turning away from whatever it is and pretending it's not there. You know, it's like, la, 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 I don't see you, I don't hear you. But it's, that's not peacemaking. And then um, appeasement. So this is like peace at any price. So it doesn't matter how badly you treat me or how... Uh, difficult the relationship is or all of that doesn't matter. I'm just going to keep pretending that everything's okay because if I keep pretending, well, the pretending, yeah, the weeds are still growing and three months later, they're choking out the good stuff. So denial or pretending or appeasement or pretending is not, is not that. It can also be kind of a, you know, don't rock the boat mentality. Like I can't say that because that, you know, don't want to rock the boat. And then meanwhile, the repair hasn't, hasn't taken place. Um, the reconciliation hasn't taken place. So yeah, the, the absence of outward conflict um, is, uh, per that testimony that I read out of this bait of Satan, the, um, the absence of outward conflict is not peace. So the one more metaphor as Tim comes is just a, the picture of a bridge. Um, and you can, you can search this later if you want to. There's some cool time-lapse uh, clips of build bridging, building bridges, bridge building. <laughs> oh, that was good. Um, you guys are tracking with me. I love that. Um, and I, I saw one uh, that was in San Francisco when they were building the Golden Gate in San Francisco, and it was super cool, but it was too long to show you today. But... Um, anyway, you have to have, to build a bridge, you have to have two, like this is Sausalito and San Francisco at the tip of the peninsula, right? The, a bunch of cement, a whole bunch of cement, and those cables have to be on either end. And then it's actually building towards each other. You know, they, they hang the cables and they build toward. Okay, if they just started on the peninsula, building towards Sausalito and there were, there were no cables and cement and all that on the other side, what are they, what are they going to hang on to? You know, what are they going to build towards? And so as you think of peacemaking and you think of what the Lord, in a, in a few minutes when we have time to stop and ask the Lord, what Lord do you have for me in my heart to work on today? What relationship or what connection do you have me to work on today? Uh, I think he's going to give you a picture, if he hasn't already, of that, that person that you're supposed to step towards or build towards. And the, the tricky thing is that person might not be ready because they might not be here in the service or they might not be in a place where their heart is ready to reconcile or ready to repair that relationship. But that actually doesn't matter. So this is the tricky part. We, you know, sometimes like the, um, I was thinking of this example in the book. What if he would have called his mom and she would have said, I don't want to see you? 
Or what if she had already died and he couldn't talk to her? Could reconciliation still take place? Could that repair still take place? Could his heart still heal? 100%. And, and that's really where I feel like we, we have such an advantage in knowing the Lord and in having the Holy Spirit because people out in the world are trying to do this totally on their own, and it's really hard work. But we, it's still hard work for us because we're people, just, just flesh and blood, you know. But we have the Holy Spirit to help us because, yeah, if that person on the other end, if they're in Sausalito and they're not going to build towards us, that's okay. Um, and the Lord can do that work in our heart and, and help us to repair and to reconcile and to heal. And if they're already dead, you can write them a letter. You can write a letter and you can just, you could read it to somebody as a, you know, symbol of that reconciliation happening. There's a lot of different things you can do, but I just, I, I'm praying and have been praying that the Lord will just speak to your heart because I feel like the, the peace that comes is, uh, again, it's not absence of chaos around us, but for, for there to be chaos in here and there to be so much pain and brokenness in here, where's the space for the peace? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like this, if my sponge, if I, if I spilled something here and I soaked it all up with a sponge, I spilled my water, then my water, or the sponge is soaked with water. So what we, what we want is the repair and the reconciliation and the healing, which is that squeezing out, and then the, the sponge is ready to soak up the peace soak up what comes so anxiety gets squeezed out and peace gets pulled in or hurt and pain gets squeezed out and peace comes in okay tim's coming all right wow i think i feel we could just go home now with that that's a good word um but i'm just going to wrap wrap up with a few other thoughts um, and um, we're going to take some time to to um, allow God that opportunity to 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 um, bring something to mind make a covenant make a commitment whatever that looks like for you but um, yeah there's so much there's so much you know Psalm 34:14 says turn from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it. And I think we've heard as as Eve has shared some of the some of the ways that we need to be seeking peace to be peacemakers. So how can I embrace this? How can I embrace peacemaking as both a calling like she said and a pursuit? So it becomes something we are doing so we're not just thinking about it, we're actually doing it. And I um you know, in this whole area of, of the heart and um, this whole area of what's in our hearts and how, how our hearts um, are like a stream, um, how our lives and our hearts are like a stream, a life-giving stream. Jesus said, I will give you the streams of living water. That We have these streams of living water through Christ and our, and our relationship with him that need to be, um, that can get clogged up. They need to flow, but they, need, they get clogged up. So there's this story. It's based on a tale called Keeper of the Stream. And I want you to think about this in ter- as I read this story in terms of your own in- inner inner life, your own 
that the inner life is really what we're talking about cultivating here, right? So he, think about this. There was once a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by streams or springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam in it. You could see rocks and sand and rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. And high in the hills, far above anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had, hired, he had been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water. But his work was unseen. And one year, the town council, council decided that they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. And high in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddled the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. And for a time, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, this, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew children to play by it. Some people of the town began to grow sick. Everybody noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the stream that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream. And, this, and the life of the stream depended on the keeper. I'm going to repeat that. The life, of the, the life of the village depended on the stream. And the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened. The money was found. The old man was rehired. Yet after another time, the springs were cleaned. The stream was pure. Children played again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health. The swans came home. The village came back to life. The life of the village depended on the health of the stream. The life of the village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. Pretty poignant picture of what that means in terms of our own cultivating our walk with the Lord in terms of being aware, being, being aware of what's going on inside of us and what can clog the, the, our, our peace, what can clog those streams, you know, and peace is one of them, lack of peace. So a little bit more as we, um, as we go into this, just on the how, how can we do this? And I want to... Um, I want to give out, I want to just share why. Why are we talking about, this may be, seem a little bit redundant and we may repeat some things here, but why be a peacemaker? And love for God and love for others is inseparable. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And our prayer is not that these um, scriptures and these thoughts that we're sharing today would any way, uh, you know, the enemy wants to twist 
anything he can and bring uh, whatever things that may cause condemnation in our lives or self-condemnation. And sometimes we can even, he can even try to twist the word and our interpretation of the word to bring that. I'm, I'm all, we should all be okay with conviction here. Let it convict our hearts. Let this convict our hearts and move us toward a, a, a greater depth in our relationship with the Lord and, and greater growth and development in our own lives. But don't let this, don't let this bring condemnation. These, these, this, is another, this is another area, but this, whole, this is a whole other message, but really. But love for God and love for others is inseparable. And um, it's, I want to encourage you today. It's, n- it's not like flipping a switch. It's not like we can just do that. Yes, I've heard of miraculous just turnarounds where, where there's conflict and there's years of, of hurt and, and, wrong, and wrongdoing and, and a lot there and forgiveness flows and healing happens and, and that happens. But sometimes it's a journey and, we've, and God is calling us to hang together, to stick with him through the journey and to walk in this and to walk through that and it's often, like Eve was saying, for the sake of others, that they see the, the Christ's work in us, the work of Christ in us, and how, how we are um, growing and developing. It's, it's not always like flipping a switch. So the other er- why we should be a peacemaker is that lack of harmony in, re- in relationships hinders our prayers. Have you ever tried to pray when there's unresolved conflict with somebody? Yeah. I, you, know, you know how that feels. When there's unresolved, when you've just had an argument with your spouse, when you've just had some encounter with somebody, uh, with a, someone at work or a, your employer or whatever, and you've just, have you ever tried to pray in those times? And sometimes it can be hard, can it? And uh, so there's good reason for that because those, those, those are a call to, to awareness and what's going on in our own lives and our own hearts and how we can work to resolve that. So lack of harmony in relationships hinders our prayers, and that's why we need to be peacemakers. First uh, Peter 3, 7 uh, says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing can hinder your prayers. And Matthew 5, 23 24 says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So there's a principle here of of making sure that our our lives are, to the best of our ability, as far as it depends on us, to have uh, to keep the the relationship to look to seek restoration to seek reconciliation in relationships to offer forgiveness and all of that so that there's 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 nothing hindering my relationship with God and so there's three marks of a peacemaker that I want to share um, with you before we close today and they are these number one they initiate peacemakers initiate regardless of perceived fault. So we are not, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, if you were, if you were uh, in, in on that message, um, we are not called to be peacekeepers, but peacemakers. Peacemakers are people of initiative, people who take action. Um, it's the way of Jesus, isn't it? It certainly is the way of Jesus that he 
took action to reconcile us to God, to bring peace between us and God. God, through Jesus, initiated peace and reconciliation with his enemies. And he did that when there was no fault of his own. We can't ever say that. There's uh, guaranteed, there's probably, even if it's just 1%, and another 99% is uh, the other party at fault. So, right? We just, we just, can't, we just can't say that. But Jesus, through, with no, the perfect Lamb of God, not at fault for anything, reconciled, took initiative and reconciled us to God through the cross. He himself is our peace, the scripture says. We who have been, who we have been, uh, were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. That's good news. And peacemakers initiate because it's just good soul care. It's just good soul care. It, and as I read that story about the keeper of the stream, we initiate because that's how we also take care of our own inner lives. That's how we also make sure that our walk with God is, is at a place where there's nothing obstructing that. It, it, it change, it's, uh, it, it's part of what changes that, that life-giving stream of God's goodness in our lives. Uh, that is un, when, when unforgiveness and unresolved conflict are, are, are there, it, it clogs the stream, doesn't it? It, 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 uh, it makes things um, that were once alive and fresh, it makes them uh, dirty and, and um, corrupt and whatever that is. So we need to get that out of there. It's just good soul care. And I love the illustration, um, Viviana, that shared, you know, every day, you pluck those weeds. And I love that. That's a great illustration. Great word from the Lord today. Do it every day. And uh, then that stream will be kept fresh and clean. Three marks of a peacemaker. That was the first one. The second one, they listen well. They listen well. And James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. They listen well they listen at the feeling level come on guys we got to do this we can do it listen at the feeling level for hurt listen for hurt listen for pain listen for rejection listen to get perspective to see the other side not to defend ourselves or our position listen peacemakers listen well and, and conflict is never, we can never separate it from feelings. We, some, that's the denial part, right? That's the avoidance part. That's the appeasement part where we try to separate that out and pretend nothing's wrong. But conflict is never separated from feelings. Putting feelings aside, even if that were possible, and treating it as some kind of business transaction, transaction never, go, never gets to the root issue, right? It just never solves the issue. So we've heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. I don't know about you, but I've experienced that. I've probably been on the hurt, the, the one who's hurting the other side. I know I have. And I've, and I've been hurt by hurt people. And we know how that feels. 
And it's often, and that often happens when real listening hasn't taken place. Real, genuine listening, listening for hurt, listening for the feeling, listening uh, for perspective. And then thirdly, peacemakers deal with the problem, they don't attack the person. They deal with the problem, they don't attack the person. Um, what happens in a relationship when you feel attacked? What happens in that relationship? Walls go up, right? The wall goes up, defense mechanisms, um, and sabotaged. Any efforts at peacemaking can be sabotaged at that point. So don't don't attack the person, deal with the problem is a way is the way of the peacemaker. Because that cycle of blame, it wastes energy and emotional and spiritual energy and it compounds the problem. I know people, and I'm sure you do too, who have held on to multiple offenses for years. Just like the story we read from John Bevere's book and who have held on to those for years. And I've held on to offenses for longer than I've wanted to. And, and I know many of us out here have. And how much do we want to be free is the question. Really, truly free. I want to be free. I want to be free to allow God to do his work in my life and to have his way in my life. So are we willing to let go of those offenses and be truly free and walk in that freedom. Um, see to it, the Hebrews 12, 15 says, I see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let's pull those roots out. Let's yank them out. See to it. Again, be a peacemaker. Take initiative. Don't let those things grow until they get so deep and so... Um, I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but I, I, I have this picture of my mind in my, in my lawn, just in my lawn. I don't have a big garden, but in my lawn, there's those ones that are prickly, and they're just like, they're, 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 they're nasty little weeds. And I, I've, when, I, when they're little, when they're, when they're little like this, I can usually get them if the ground's wet. But once they get big, I just, I, I never get them, at, I never get the whole thing. And that's kind of a picture of um, this whole idea of don't let any bitter root grow up to cause trouble and defile. Often what, what happens in our lives is, and in rela relationships that are, that are in conflict, is that um, one offense is heaped upon another offense. And, and it creates more offense, right? And that's what happens when we put up defense mechanisms and we lash out and we say things that we shouldn't. The Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And that's that stirring up unnecessarily the anger which caused that bitter root to grow and so difficult to repair at times. So how much better to be proactive, be a peacemaker, Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So as we begin to close today, and I'd like um, to, the worship 
team or Bill, just if you want to come, or Bill and Lori, who, whoever, just, just we're going to have a little time of worship. Uh, the whole team can come up, whatever you guys want to do. It's up to you. <laughs> You're, you call. You make the call. Um, um, but what I would like to do is just ask you these three questions today. What, which of these three marks of a peacemaker that we've just talked about presents the greatest challenge to you right now? I heard someone say all of the above. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> all of the above. Thanks for your honesty. Initiating, taking initiative, dealing with the problem and not attacking the person, listening well, listening for feeling, listening for perspective. Whatever these three areas might be, and it may be all of them, and that's okay. But where I want to just challenge you today with this question. Where is the opportunity in this? As you, as you sit today and reflect on this, where is the opportunity that God is presenting to you? What is the opportunity in this? I'm going to read a, one last passage here about Jesus and his amazing work of reconciliation in our own lives and something he's given to us. Listen to this. Second Corinthians 5, 16 to 21 says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God shows us the way of reconciliation, not counting our sins against us. He forgave us. He forgave us. He nailed it all to the cross. And before this message, we've been given a message of, of reconciliation. We are, we are ministers, the scripture says, of reconciliation. But before the message can, and I'm not talking about you have to reach some standard of perfection before, but there's there's a there at least there's something that has to be happening parallel here with communicating the message, and that is what what God is doing in my own life. There's something that has to be working in cooperation with the Holy Spirit as we communicate that message of reconciliation, as we share Christ with people, because what they see they see that. We're living examples, living testimonies of people who have, been found, who have found peace with God through Christ. And that comes in living this out, living this out as a peacemaker. So let's stand together. And um, as we worship together um, and close our time together, I just want to just invite you to the altar. If there's something you just want to seal with the Lord today in this area of maybe it's a particular conflict, a particular relationship. Maybe it's your own peace with God. You need to start there and you want to have a relationship 
with God today. The altar is open. We're here to pray with you if that's you. But this is just saying, I want to take that step today here at the altar and seal this with the Lord, whatever that is, and let him make us peacemakers. Let him do that work of peace in our own life so that we, so that, that being a peacemaker becomes just part of who we are as a people, as a body. What, a, what an amazing time we live in. What an, opportuni- what an opportunity uh, we have in this day and age to be peacemakers. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let's just worship and this altar is open.
man. Is God good? All right. Well, I want to just close with this as a prayer for you. And uh, as you go out these doors, remember this. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. Someone say overflow. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you today for this opportunity to be in your house and to be in your presence. What a gift it is to be with God's people, Lord, and we just don't take that for granted. Thank you today as we go out these doors, Lord, may we come go with a commitment to be walk in the way of the peacemaker, the peacemaker, Jesus Christ, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have a blessed week.